He promised it would deliver vaccine equity, but instead it presided over vaccine apartheid. The poorest, most vulnerable people went to the back of the line, while the rest of us in rich nations were able to get our vaccines. And the problem was the Gates approach, which was that he thought he could work with and through the pharmaceutical companies. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bituation Room. Uh, once again, here on a Tuesday or whenever you happen to be listening to this episode, if I remember to publish it as a podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, I believe it is episode 207, but I have been wrong very recently. So I apologize. I've got a lot of things on the mind and the brain. A lot of things. Um, um bothering me a lot of things to bitch about today including the fact that my computer might die this is fun everything's good um the baby woke up at the ass crack of dawn um so very excited to have you here uh we of course are going to talk about the ongoing assault on gaza we are going to talk about joe manchin retiring and or doing something else and we're going to be talking about Bill Gates. That is right. Um, we have uh, author, freelance journalist, um, Tim Schwab, who is waiting in the wings. Uh, he has a book out called The Bill Gates Problem. Um, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, I'm excited to find out what's in the vaccine. God damn it. No. Um, so stay tuned for that as well as a final fun segment. We're going to talk about fentanyl. Yes. Where will they put it next? Apparently, it's in Hamas's rockets now. Because of course it is. Because why not? Because Israel just really wants to win this propaganda war and is doing a terrible job at it thus far. So tap the fentanyl button. Just do it. Do what you need to do. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you're here live, uh, hey, like the stream, share the stream right now. Let people know what you get up to on a Tuesday or whenever, again, you are watching this back. And also, uh, give this podcast five stars. We have had some amazing episodes. Um, so super excited to uh, uh, have you. Sorry, I, got, I just got distracted because I remember I didn't introduce my other guest who's going to be here. Uh, comedian Dina Hashem is going to be here. Very excited to have her uh, out with a new special on Amazon that you can watch right now or not right now, but in a little bit. But anyway... Give this podcast five stars. We've had some great episodes. Naomi Klein was on recently. Um, that was incredible. Um, Usama Andrabi was on last week, and we talked all about uh, Justice Democrat. I mean, he's from Justice Democrats, and we talked all about sort of like the progressive versus centrist rift that this war in Gaza has created or driven even farther. Um, and then on Friday, for those of you who didn't catch the live bonus bish, which, by the way, is an addendum to this show uh, that is streaming every single Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. I had my mentor on, uh, Max Elbaum. And if you missed it, guys, become a patron. A dollar a month, two dollars a month, five bucks a month is all I ask. Ten dollars a month gets you a shout out um, and extra perks. There's a lot of, of good stuff there. And you support this show that is literally funded and supported by you guys only and you alone and literally could not be done without you. So thank you for that. Max enlightened me a lot. There were some interesting discussions. Max Elbaum, not always the person who says, uh, you know, we should probably call it quits on uh, Joe Biden. He's sort of given Biden the benefit of the doubt over the years and uh, changing his tune. 
changing his tune, my good boy, uh, my good friend. So uh, watch that. You can become a member on YouTube or Twitch and also watch that back. But uh, you can watch or listen. You get a special little um, RSS feed. It's adorable. It's rainbow colored. If you like rainbow fentanyl, there's a little bit of fentanyl also in the bonus bish. Eh, just a little bit. Not like a lethal dose, but just like, you know what I mean? Just to get you through your day. Um, and so thank you so much in advance. And I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Now, 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 let us get in to all of the pain, all of the terrible things with what are you bitching about today? So today in Washington, D.C., there was um, what was called a March for Israel, um, maybe a march against anti-Semitism, but really a march for Israel, uh, as we all know. Those two things, very, very different. Um, and supporting Jews doesn't necessarily mean supporting the war crimes of the Israeli government. So, nevertheless, um, speakers included Senator Chuck Schumer, makes sense, not called for a ceasefire, even though many demonstrators got arrested outside of his home recently. Representative Hakeem Jeffries, a notable APAC recipient, uh, was there also as not called for a ceasefire. Um, and then some other fun characters like uh, John Hagee, who is the head of Christians United for Israel, um, who once said that Hitler, God invented Hitler in order to create Israel. Cool, cool ally you've got there. I'm sure he really stands against anti-Semitism. Mm. I'm sure he believes in Israel for all the right reasons. Um but then uh, there was also uh, Israeli President Isaac Herzog, who, uh, if you guys didn't catch, this was a couple weeks ago, uh, I exposed you to uh, or subjected you to this choice quote of his. Um, he said, it's not true, the rhetoric about uh, civilians being not aware or involved. It's absolutely not true. They could have risen up. They could have fought against the evil regime, which took over Gaza in a coup d'etat. <laughs> I love this, like... In that same breath, he's acknowledging like it was a coup, like it wasn't really a democratic election. That it, it's not. It, never mind the fact that like children who are dying could not have voted in the year two thousand and six for uh, Hamas. But he's basically like, no, it's it's. They should have risen up. They definitely should have risen up. And that's anyway. He's speaking, and that's fun. Um, Walid Shahid asking of of Justice Dems asking if uh, any. Anyone will condemn those remarks. No, see, that doesn't it doesn't work that way. That's not the way uh, we do the Israel thing. It's only one way is the bigotry, and the rest is just, oh, tragic. Oh, my God, so tragic. Um, also tragic that a garbage truck is passing right now. Tuesdays, why do I stream on Garbage Day, people? Yes, it's because everything is trash, and this is what we deserve. Anyway, back to it. Um, the other person who spoke at the March for Israel, which, big surprise, big big surprise no, not really a surprise if you've been following his trajectory however though if you've really been looking at what he's been doing seeing who he's been you know rubbing elbows with seeing the way he sort of normalized the trump administration wanted to work with the trump administration works with jared kushner to free you know seven eight hundred uh federal prisoners who then were trotted out by donald trump every single moment to talk about how he loves black people i freed you right and that is of course mr van jones of uh formerly of cnn or maybe currently of cnn who knows and this is just mwah, brilliant because when i saw that he was going to speak i was like well 
there we go. You know, he's got to get his bread buttered somewhere. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure there is money in this for him. And he's always, um, he, he loves to basically like, um, soft pedal fascists and like right wingers in order to make himself look like he's a bridge builder when he's just an opportunist. So totally, totally no surprises, but of course it's Van Jones. And so Van Jones is probably going to say something about peace. He's probably going to make it seem like he's still the same old Van Jones. And this is what he said and listen to chants of no ceasefire break out in the middle of his speech to the point where he can't even remember what he was saying and says, we also stand against Muslim, which was a weird, anyway, take a look. I'm a peace guy. I pray for peace. No more rockets from Gaza and no more bombs falling down on the people of Gaza. God protect the children. God protect you. Let's end all the horror and all the heartbreak in the Holy Land. Let's end all of it. Let's end all of it. But I'll be honest in closing. When I think about what's happening over there, I don't feel powerful to do something about what's happening over there. What I do feel powerful is to maybe do something about what's happening here. Let's take a stand here against anti-Jewish bigotry. Let's take a stand against Muslim. Let's, let's take a stand here against hatred. Let's take a stand here against hatred of all kinds. I don't want... <laughs> I don't want you uh to finish your thought clearly because my god so that was him very distracted i mean van jones doesn't get distracted very easily but there he was sort of like flummoxed and fl like flustered uh and i will take a stand against muslim that's good oh yeah yeah take a stand against Muslim. I'm, i assume he meant anti-muslim bigotry as well um but notice that when he said i don't want any more babies dying um then everyone broke out with no cease fire and it's like yeah buddy yeah, Van, that's who you've made your bed with now. That's where you're at. You're at a march for Israel. You're. You, this is not really about stopping. Like, this is not about freeing the hostages. There were signs about freeing the hostages. No, no, no. The family members of the hostage hostages understand in Israel that their government is completely unserious about freeing them, right? And so what are you doing? What are you, like, is it, what's the honorarium there? Like, what's up, buddy? So it's just so funny, like even when you attempt to be part of a propaganda machine, a propaganda, um, a line that says, um, I can stand and march with Israel and this is about standing up against anti-Semitism. No, 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 you're not bloodthirsty enough for even the folks who came out there. All right. Because everyone, including relatives who have hostage, who have um, people who are host taken hostage, including Jewish Americans, they are the ones who are calling for ceasefire because they know that's the safest way to make everyone, to keep everyone alive. So it's like, read the room, buddy. No, you got to turn up the bloodthirst and turn down the talk of peace. Oh, Van, you've changed slash have you know, ascended to your final form. Anywho, um, I'm really excited to bring a little bit of levity, uh, cause God knows I need it. Uh, comedian and who writes for the daily show. Fuck yeah. And has written for the max comedy 
uh, series, The Sex Lives of College Girls. And her stand-up special, Dark Little Whispers, is out right now on Amazon. Please welcome Dina Hashem. Dina, what's going on? Hey, how are you? I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm barely holding on. Some days I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not currently under rubble. This is good. And then other days I'm like, what am, you know, I feel like my insides are on the outside. So yeah. Same. Just like emotionally. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, and I like, yeah, I, I have a lot to uh, to ask you about, and maybe we'll we'll do this again another time. But I just wanted to because you've been doing also some pretty exciting work, um, calling representatives uh, yourself. And I just have to play this before I ask you what you're bitching about. Um, this is you uh, calling, I believe, Senator Lindsey Graham's offices after he went on. Um, what was he on Fox News? And he was asked basically how many Palestinian lives have to die, how much blood has to be shed for you to basically call for a ceasefire. And he said, there's no limit. Thank you for calling the Washington, D.C. office of Senator Lindsey Graham. Hi, I'm an Arab American. And I just have to say, when I first heard Lindsey Graham's bloodthirsty statements about the Middle East, my first thought was, What's the going price for a pint of my blood? Did you say blood? He seems like he just is really interested in the blood of Arabs. A thousand dollars? Ma'am, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. I know he's really into sending funding to Israel right now. I want to know why he isn't just sending that money to me and I can just ship him a pint of my blood. Why he won't send it to you? Yeah, because if he wants Arab blood, I think he should be getting it from Americans here at home instead of outsourcing that abroad. I don't know about blood, like that he wants blood. There's like thousands of civilian deaths and that's blood, right? So I'm just saying I could send him my blood and I could get the money. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop there. I fucking love you for this. Uh, I also, am, I love trolling you know, they don't deserve it, but they do deserve it. Especially if you're working for Lindsey Graham, you very much deserve it. But, you know, uh, staffers have been inundated with calls for ceasefire. And I just uh, thank you so much for uh, some a little bit of comedic relief. And I hope you get your money. Um, thank you. Yes, the offer is still on the table um, for anyone <laughs> out there. If your listeners also want my blood. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Everybody uh, hit Dina up after you watch her special. Be like, you know what? I'm going to invest in this Arab blood. Let's go. Um, Dina, how, how are you? What are you bitching about today? Um, my bitching sounds so petty compared to yours. You're complaining about the vast injustices against the people of Palestine. And I'm like, my clips aren't reaching enough people online. Um, <laughs> I did want to complain about the algorithm, but yeah. Um, I just, I don't know if you feel this way. I don't know if the algorithm has changed for you, but just in general, the fact that, I mean, I put this special out and I want mm -hmm. my main marketing strategy is to put clips from it out to reach people. But I realized these apps like Instagram and all of them, they tricked us into putting our careers on them. And now yeah. I can't even reach the people who like already follow me. Like I have a bunch of followers. I want the things I put out to reach them, but I've noticed it, it just doesn't reach as many people anymore. I think it's because they want you to start paying money uh, 
for ads for the clips and stuff like that instead of before they like roped you in by saying like how many people you can reach so not only can i not reach new people as easily it's like the people who are already fans of me i can't even talk to them and i realized like emails it was it was emails all along like maintaining an email list was always the only thing we ever needed but then these fucking apps you know um I yeah. Just, and, yeah and we've and it's just like we're such content mongers especially when it's like stand up and building like an hour that took you years to you know perfect and like perform all over the country and do you know like and, and to say nothing of like getting this deal and having your special out there and then it's like i'm more i'm more i'm more and like it's it's again it's so funny <laughs> we're not going to talk about the sag strike ending um I am curious as to, it seems like there's a little bit of disagreement about how good it actually is, the contract that they have agreed to. Um, but, you know, it reminded me of all the, like, downward pressure on, like, the market in terms of how we're just being, you know, actors or comics or writers are just sort of reduced to being, like, content, you know, scribes of, you know, and that you have this incredible thing and you're like, I'm just going to put it online in, like, different pieces, which is, it's very funny and everyone should watch it. But yeah, you're like, now it's not even doing the thing that I want it to do um, unless I pay, what is it, like 20 bucks a month or something, um, which is like, are you going to be making that back in the streaming revenue? So yeah. it's all bad. Yeah. It's like, we're already providing all this free content for these apps. Like we make everything for them. It's like so exploitative. And now on top of that, it's like, no, you're not even going to reach anybody. We want more. We want more money. And so... Um, yeah, I just, how's your email list then? Well, not good because I only realized recently that I need to have one. Like before it was like, you just need to get your little follower number on Instagram. That's all that matters to like the industry or whatever. But now it's like, oh yeah, I want to sell tickets and I can't even let people know where I'm going to be because my posts only reach like one tenth or less of everybody every time I post. And I realize it's because that's wild. They only want you to reach a certain number of people at a time so that you keep posting. And like you have to hope maybe I'm reaching one fragment and then I'll reach a different fragment the next time I post. But the algorithm is probably not that sophisticated. Maybe it's just showing it to the same people over and over again. And there's no way to know, right? I think it's incredible that I started out sort of in this industry like, you know, 10 years ago, uh, which is like, you know, 80 years in internet life. And like I'd have bosses tell me about the algorithm and like, tell me like what it wants and how did it, and now it's just the uh, like algorithm, like algorithm has fired all of my bosses and now algorithm tells me what it wants and what it doesn't want. This is exactly what I'm saying to people. Like that's our boss now. Like my boss now is the algorithm. And like, I don't know if you've done this before, you're probably pretty prolific with posting, but like I hate looking at the apps. And so I will take, I took like a month off of posting on apps and it just, it punishes you. It literally destroys your reach. If you haven't posted in a while, uh, you don't, you stop reaching as many people. It just says, fuck you. And I'm just like, so I'm so sorry. I wanted to spend some time with my family and friends. And the algorithm no. is like, no, I'm your family. Like, it just will not let you not post. Show us your whole family and don't put an emoji over their face. You're not that famous yet. That's what my algorithm tells me. Show the baby face. <laughs> oh, we want to see it. Um, 
uh, that's a good thing to bitch about and very, very relevant, especially as a lot of information is suppressed and we're sort of in this like dual space of, I think it's interesting that TikTok finally got rid of like all the bans on the Palestine. Like when you talked about Palestine, you'd get like shadow banned mm -hmm. immediately. And now they're like, oh no, no, that shit's way too rich for us. Like we need more eyeballs because like this war is crushing it. And so they've, you know, lifted that and now. Um, hey, we can see all the mass murder. But anyway, let's get into it, guys. Uh, this is a couple stories from the week that was. It's called the week where, but I just the week that was also sounded good. Um, hey, fun updates. Death toll in Gaza is around 12,000 people. That doesn't mean they 12,000 Gazans tragically died. That means Israel has murdered 12,000 Gazans. Let's get it right. Um, almost half of those are children. Uh, there's now been a mass exodus displacement. About 200,000 of uh, Gazans have left northern Gaza. Um, there are now humanitarian pauses, which are just sort of like moments where, you know, um, the sort of grip around your neck kind of like loosens a little bit. You gasp a breath and then bombing continues. Um, the U.S. has said this is interesting. Like, what's the ultimate goal for Gaza? The U.S. has said they want the Palestinian Authority to take over Gaza. And Israel's like, <laughs> what? Like, we never said that. Um, a senior member of Benjamin Netanyahu's government said that Gaza could not survive as an independent entity and Palestinians sh should agree to voluntary immigration that on top of the fact that you've seen Israeli soldiers basically like with the Israeli flag on the shores of Gaza, like on the beach being like, here we are again, even some folks hanging the uh, pride flag in just the most disgusting show of pink washing, uh, the most horrible bad faith um, interpretation of gay rights. Um, but the big news is hospitals, right? So multiple hospitals are under attack. The Al-Shifa hospital in northern Gaza is like one of these main hospitals because thousands of people have been sheltering outside of it. Not anymore um, because it has been under under siege. Um, there are about 650 patients there, 200 to 500 health workers, 1,500 displaced people seeking shelter there. It's been running out of fuel and electricity. Babies that were previously in incubators, if you've seen images, they are now wrapped in blankets huddled together to prevent them from dying, and a few already have. Um, however, Israel claims that Al-Shifa is a base for Hamas and that there's a bunker underneath it and that the babies were using the incubators as human shields from the human... Um, I had it, but anyway, they just... Uh, anyway, so they, they can't have the incubators because it's a weapon of war or whatnot. And they're like baby Hamas, you know, they're preemie Hamas is pretty much what it is. Um, here is a doctor, Norwegian doctor, Norwegian surgeon, Dr. Mads Gilbert from streaming, sending this video from Al-Shifa Hospital, imploring President Biden and leaders of the world to do something. Take a look. President Biden, President Biden, President Biden, Mr. Blinken, Mr. Blinken, can you hear me? Prime Ministers and Presidents of the European countries, can you hear me? Can you hear the screams from Shifa Hospital, from al Hospital? Can you hear the screams from innocent people, refugees, sheltering, trying to find a safe place, being bombed by the Israeli attack forces this morning inside the hospital? Hospitals that are 
the temples of humanity and protection. When are you going to stop this? You're all complicit. So that's just chilling. That is just, I mean, Dina, I think we're all waiting for this moment where we're like, oh, we can look back in hindsight and be like, wow, that was crazy. And, um, you know, some people will be like, wow, that was wrong. And then there's most of us who are like, no, it is wrong and it's ongoing. But uh, the footage we're seeing, the like undeniable, like the <laughs> truth that of something like that, you know, beyond the actual bodies themselves is so chilling to me. Um, and and is just I mean, like, anyway, I, I don't have words for it. Yeah. I'm it, yeah. it makes you understand how atrocities of the past that we think of as unrepeatable are able to happen. Because, like, it's happening right now, and we know what we're doing. Like, I'm I'm still on stage doing comedy. Like, it doesn't make sense that these horrible things can happen and other people who know it's wrong, just, it's just, it's unfixable and intractable. We're so powerless, and it's just so insane. Absolutely. Um, and it's crazy. Look, I do think that pressure is working and we've seen that it is working. Um, I think people should keep calling. But yeah, the dissonance is just wild and also being incredibly gaslit um, by, you know, Israeli propaganda. And here's Biden being asked about the hospital. This is, of course, a few days after he said that there's no chance for a ceasefire. But then when one is asked about the hostages, he said. We're doing everything we can. Like there was a long pause and like kind of a like, uh, they're probably dead. I probably can't do anything. I've already committed a bunch more weapons. I'm asking Congress for 320 million more dollars. Um, we're doing everything we can just in one breath, you know, or like, you know, 12 or however many he needs to do to like sort of, you know, keep himself alive for the next year. Um, here he is being asked about Al-Shifa Hospital. Have you expressed any specific concerns to Israel on that, sir? Well, uh, you know, I uh, have not been reluctant in expressing my concerns what's going on. Um, and it's my hope and expectation that uh, there will be uh, less intrusive action relative to the hospital. I remain somewhat hopeful that the hospital must be protected. Less intrusive action. It is my hope that there will be less intrusive. Like, what a... Yes! Uh, dark Brandon rises. <laughs> I am... I swear to God, Dina, like, watching this, to me, like, I... You know, even more of my... Like, more of my soul just sort of rotted out. Like, watching him so self-aware about the fact that he's going to do fuck all, the fact that he is so impotent, the fact that he won't stand up to Netanyahu, he won't uh, keep weapons, uh, rescind weapons, he won't, you know, that Lloyd Austin, General Lloyd Austin, is helping with plans to roll into Gaza, has been advising the Israeli military, and he knows he's full of shit. And the media, they're asking a few questions, and then they sort of back off, you know, like a little bit of a retreating wave situation. The tide goes in, then it goes out again, and we all forget about it. But like, People are, I don't know what else to, you know, I am like, I'm so fucking mad. And I, this guy is so powerless and he's so weak and he knows it. And he's so goddamn old. And I've been refraining from saying he's old. Like, who cares if he's old? Ah, he does all he has to do is not start World War Three, And there, now he started it, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
my how do you read that my please? favorite was the clip of when the reporter was like is there a possibility of a ceasefire and he was like no no possibility you know which clip i'm talking about yeah it was it was also it was the most alert i had ever seen him <laughs> like he was just most of the time he seems like he's kind of out of it but on the ceasefire question he was just like really on the ball um yeah and then he danced himself away he was like oh i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm not answering any more questions about dead babies um look uh, we talked about it last week uh with max elbaum but i have been um not not just disappointed but like when i saw the headline about babies and in incubators dying i was like i can't how how am i gonna vote for this dude how does he expect to seek our vote this is utter bullshit and like and I don't go around in this country as an Arab or Muslim American, right? You are someone who does, like, you go on stage. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've been thinking about comics, especially, because every night you go up, or you go up often, and you're like, you can't, you know, or if you're Palestinian American, what are you going to, what are you going to hide that fact? And your entire, your, your religion, your ethnicity, your nationality is being demonized right now so I, anyway any thoughts on that i've just that's been sort of weighing on me i mean that's not new i guess i'm not shocked just because it's kind of been indoctrinated like everyone in this country i feel like doesn't see people in the middle east as like i hate to say it but like i think people implicitly think of people in the middle, middle east as like oh yeah they're the ones that are supposed to die like we've been in war like in war in the middle east my entire life and no one there's never protests there's never like I've watched people just openly sort of implicitly be racist about it without even, without even thinking of themselves as racist. It's just cause like, yeah, that's what we do there. There's war in the Middle East. That's just what it is. Like they don't consider that there's people there who don't want to be at war. So I can't say I'm shocked by any, of it, by any of it. What I am shocked by, pleasantly surprised, is this is the most I've ever seen anybody speak up for Arabs in my life. And so that's really cool to see. But at the same time, it tells me like, oh, things must be really bad for all these yeah. people to be speaking up. But also I think society has, has progressed. So that's nice. Totally. I mean, you know, at the, at the one on the same, by the same token, like I have very little words. I'm so angry. I'm so pissed at, you know, the media and the, you know, political establishment here and all the warmongers and all the war profiteers. But Ilhan Omar is going to be introducing a resolution to basically block $320 million of aid to Israel it won't pass, but it's important. Like at least there are squad members standing up. Um, at least there are massive outpourings uh, and solidarity with Palestinians and saying, we want a ceasefire. There are people using their platforms, um, uh, like, you know, young folks, some kid that I don't even, Red Veil, I don't even know who this kid is. Um, and he's like a musician calling, asking for his audience members to call their representatives. Like that kind of shit is really heartening. So, Again, there's a lot of dissonance. It is wild, but it's like this is unfolding before our very eyes. There are mass graves being dug in the hospital. There are bodies on the streets. People in wheelchairs are on foot trying to leave Gaza in what is being called by Isra the Israeli, I think, Minister of Agriculture, which is weird, calling it Gaza's Nakba. This is the Gaza Nakba which basically means we know this is mass displacement, which by the way, for those of you who don't love the word genocide, mass displacement is part of genocide. Armenian genocide, mass displacement. Trail of Tears, part of American Indian genocide. Let's not forget. Um, 
There's so much more to say on this, but uh, I will be talking about it, of course, on Friday, and we'll talk about it throughout every moment I can <laughs> on social media if the algorithms allow me to. Let's jump into this interview. I'm excited. I know, Dina, you, you, if I know one thing about you, it's that you're like, what's up with fucking Bill Gates? Yeah. Yo, why do you run everything in this goddamn world? So I'm going to bring in a freelance journalist whose work has appeared in The Nation, Columbia, Journalism Review, and elsewhere. His book, new book, The Bill Gates Problem, is out today. Please welcome Tim Schwab. Tim, how are you? Welcome. Uh, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's so great to be here with you, too. It is good to have you. Um, I yeah, I'm excited to switch it up. I we need to remember to uh, there's other things going on, um, including um, Bill Gates, our Lord and Savior. Uh, and I'm really glad that you wrote this book. I'm excited to dig into it. I'm excited to read it. Um, but specifically, you talk about the this myth of the benevolent billionaire. And I think Bill Gates is a really interesting figure because it's like he's the one billionaire who's not really out in front with the money, not trying to go to the moon, bless him, or excuse me, not trying to go to space, and yet still building this small, you know, nonprofit empire. Tell us, you know, about you. I know you, this is a, basically an in-depth investigative look at the Gates Foundation, a $67 billion endowment, larger than most countries' GDPs. What should people know about Bill Gates and about his foundation, just sort of broadly? Um, it's the largest private foundation in the, in the world, basically the largest charity. <clears throat> um, it's handed out billions of dollars a year. Um, it has a great deal of influence over all kinds of public policy. In the United States, the Gates Foundation plays a heavy role in influencing U.S. education. Abroad, um, the Gates Foundation works on everything. Uh, public health and everything within public health, agricultural development, contraceptive access, financial systems. So it really plays, um, I mean, the way that I write the book is I describe the Gates Foundation not as a charity, but as a political organization. It's hmm. a tool that Bill Gates uses to advance his worldview. He's not donating money as much as he's buying influence. And here's the question, because I think a lot of like libs will basically be like, his worldview is good, you know, you know, vaccines, contraception, that's generally, those are generally liberal things, maybe. So what's the harm? He's helping. What, what would you say to that? Or what don't they understand? Yeah, and I think this is part of Bill Gates' good billionaire chic, or his this patina of being a good billionaire. We've had how many investigative reports and books about the Koch brothers, because their politics don't clearly align or don't shine with sort of a mainstream neoliberal ideology. Whereas right. Bill Gates, they do. You think about the presidents who have been in power, George W. Bush, Barack Obama. You know, it's been, he's very much been a man of his times, politically speaking. The ideas that he has about market-based solutions, the primacy of the private sector, technological innovation as a solution to everything. Um, so that's really helped him with his political agenda. Um, remind me your question. No, that like, you know, so long, you know, what's the harm, what's the harm? Of, of a foundation being this big and offering this many arguably very life-saving critical services, again, vaccines, contraception, like what, what do you, what did you find out in terms of the amount of like power and pull and, and how can that be um, problematic? 
So, I mean, in a general sense, it's, it's a problem because it's anti-democratic. It's the richest guy gets the loudest voice. Bill Gates has all this money, so he can start donating and pulling levers. In a more specific sense, you know, to, your, to the core of your question, the Gates Foundation's interventions aren't working. And they're often mm. doing more harm than good. So today, you know, Gates promised a revolution in African agriculture, that he was going to cut hunger in half and double yields. Um, and that, that hasn't, not only has that not delivered, but independent researchers show that agriculture in some respects is actually going backwards. You have farmer groups across Africa today who are openly, explicitly calling on the Gates Foundation to end its charitable crusades because they're doing more harm than good. And it's the same story you find over and over. If you look at their work in U.S. education, it's been a real, it's been a real failure. I mean, the Gates, however, Bill and Melinda French Gates, they operate with this hubris this belief that their great wealth entitles them to keep throwing the dart. Um, right. You know, collateral damage be damn, opportunity costs be damn, that they are, you know, right and righteous in everything they do. And so that justifies that the power that they wield. Okay. Can I ask you about like, what is his involvement with government? Like, are these government contracts? Is he supplanting government programs to say, you know, on top of the fact that a lot of this is a massive tax write-off and a tax break for his billions of wealth. So just maybe like those are two separate things, but in terms of how much taxes he's actually skimping and getting away with not paying because of the foundation. And then um, what are the contracts and how, what kinds of ends does he have um, with governments around the world? Yeah, so the taxes is an important issue because at the end of the day, the Gates Foundation is spending our money. Massive mm. billions of dollars in tax subsidies and tax benefits are flowing into Gates's charitable project projects. So, I mean, that's a real easy trigger to say, if Gates is spending our money, we should have some say in how it's spent. We should have basic transparency to be able to follow the money. We should have checks and balances. But the other thing that the Gates Foundation does is it creates these massive public-private partnerships where the mm -hmm. Gates Foundation will create an organization, take a board seat, put its allies and surrogates on the rest of the board, and then it goes around, Bill and Melinda often personally would go around to government leaders all over the world, pressuring them to donate billions of dollars to help fund these public-private partnerships. So, um, I mean, in terms of, I mean, it's, it's effectively acting out often essentially as a lobbyist in a lot of places where they can, especially if you can go into a poor nation where the Gates Foundation can show up with a, essentially a suitcase full of money and start uh, putting their hands on the levers of public policy to shape what the world looks like for, for poor people. Mm -hmm. And what are like, what is, what are the strings attached to things like that? When the government, and is there an example, like when a government does sort of, you know, engage and work with the Gates foundation, is it like, are we talking, you know, well, we must, you know, remake this, um, you, you know, you got to do a cash crop instead of, you know, regenerative farming or, you know, in the ways that like other corporations or even international institutions, IMF, World Bank, will put, you know, stipulations on any kind of money or funding for, for countries. Yeah, I mean, when the foundation makes a donation, it's not simply writing a check. It's also sending along a checklist of things to do. So mm -hmm. the Gates Foundation internally has set its own priorities and agenda, and it's calling on other organizations to do the work to execute that agenda and priorities. If you follow the checklist, you tick the boxes, more money will flow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, probably the, the, the best example was the foundation's work in the pandemic, 
where Bill Gates parlayed his decades of work with vaccines. He had a network. He knew the pharmaceutical companies. And he helped create a massive response effort that was supposed to deliver vaccines to the global poor. Um, he promised it would deliver vaccine equity, but instead it presided over vaccine apartheid. The poorest, most vulnerable people went to the back of the line, while the rest of us in rich nations were able to get our vaccines. And the problem was the Gates approach, which was that he thought he could work with and through the pharmaceutical companies to create this massive, complex humanitarian procurement and distribution mechanism. And at the beginning of the pandemic, public health experts all over the world said this is not going to work. The pharmaceutical industry, of course, is trying to make money. They're going to prioritize sales to the highest bidders in the richest nations, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. And it's yeah, go ahead. sorry. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. It's where the whole like I believe in the private sector to like deliver, you know, for everyone fucking fell apart and everybody saw that. But yeah, go ahead. Well, just that there was another option on the table, um, you know, the, the idea of a people's vaccine, of waiving the patents, of challenging big pharma, of compelling the pharmaceutical industry to share its vaccine technology, to get every manufacturing facility everywhere in the world up and running and churning out vaccines at maximum capacity. And Bill Gates, in many ways, was a chief obstacle to that because he was mm. there on the nightly news talking about how patents aren't important how he's got this, how his project is going to deliver vaccine equity. So, you know, the Gates Foundation loves to talk about the lives it's saving through its work doing things like delivering vaccines. And it's true, you know, vaccines are vitally important, vaccines save lives. But the way the foundation is doing it is delivering vaccines. It's the most inefficient and unjust way that you could imagine. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about exactly how it works, because I do think that ultimately what the pandemic COVID-19 pandemic proved is, yeah, that, you know, you can't leave it up to these benevolent billionaires or so-called benevolent billionaires and that government does have a role to play. But if you've undermined government for years and years and years and say any regulation on pharmaceutical companies is amount to socialism and it's going to stifle innovation, even though we've got a lot of money from the government itself to do this research, you know, it's like, yeah, no, sorry, Bill Gates, like you, there's limits to even what you can do. You're not going to out of the goodness. They're not going to be like, oh, Pfizer's going to be like, okay, we'll just give the vaccine away for free. Only governments could stipulate that. They didn't, let's be clear, but they could have and still could maybe. Yeah. And that's what made Bill Gates so powerful during the pandemic was there was a real vacuum of leadership from, from many other global leaders. So Gates showed up early. He was talking fast. He had big ideas and everyone just kind of went with his plan. But to your point, yeah, the next time the pandemic comes, the, the last or one of the last people we should listen to is Bill Gates. Yeah. So crazy right wingers. Maybe they're right about something. I think it's very funny that Gates is sort of like stirred the ire of the far right. I mean, it's not funny. It's also very scary, which is why sort of sort of a knee-jerk response from a lot of liberals is to defend Gates at all costs, right? Uh, because he's being attacked by anti-vax right-wingers. And it's like, no, maybe we shouldn't necessarily. But Dina, I'm curious, you did feel Windows XP sort of upload, uh, I'm assuming, when you got your vaccine and booster. Um, <laughs> Yeah, how's that implant sitting with you? That, yeah, that microchip. Exactly. Is that, this is my way of saying, right? yeah. I mean, the, I I do think it is interesting because it's it's like it, Bill Gates. You he again, he gets to fly under the radar because it's under the guise of like actually helping, right? Um, and 
And yet I think it's abdicating a responsibility that governments around the world, including the United States government has. But, you know, we learn now about how much like access Elon Musk has, you know, to like even the security state here. Um, and Bill Gates also has that same amount of access to, you know, State Department officials, I'm assuming. But like, what did you learn? Like politically, is it buying influence or is it just kind of like, ah, let Bill do it? No, it's definitely by influence. Um, one of the things I did in my reporting was look at, try to follow the money. Where is the Gates Foundation actually spending its money? If you go to this website, it's larded with these images of black and brown women and children smiling. These are the people, the intended of beneficiaries of the Gates Foundation. If you follow the money, it's all going to Washington, D.C. and Geneva. Not all of it, but the vast majority, like 90% of the foundation's money is going to the United States and Europe. So the Gates model is helping the rich help the poor. And one of the, the two largest destinations are Washington, D.C. and Geneva, and those are its two seats of power. Um, Washington, D.C., um, the Gates Foundation has a great deal of influence. Um, it's meeting with Congress all the time. Um, it's, and this is what, you know, so much of the foundation's empire runs on public funds, on getting donor governments from rich nations to put money into these public-private partnerships. So that's why the foundation puts so much energy and attention into a place like Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not actually like bearing results or like, you know, anything, it's ultimately still that tax write off um, and it's still money for their coffers. Um, they don't have to prove that what they're doing is actually effective or working. I guess my question is also like what what's what's the end goal? Like what is he does? Is it low tax taxes again? Is it not breaking up? I mean, I guess there was already sort of a, you know, massive settlement around Microsoft. Like, what what does he want ultimately? I think a lot of this is a question like, but what does this billionaire want? Is it actually just continuing to be part of the 1% and power and influence? Is there a presidential run? Like, what have you seen? I mean, I believe that Bill Gates believes that he's really helping the world. So, okay. I mean, I would say, I don't know if you could call that well-meaning or not. I mean, the problem is, is he just has so much hubris um, that he's not actually helping the world and he's helping the world the only way he knows how, which is by taking control, by taking control of other people's problems and, and insisting that he has the right solution. So, so people have kind of forgotten that um, Bill Gates' first chapter running Microsoft, where he was this embattled tech billionaire monopolist, and he very quickly reformed that reputation by becoming this philanthropist. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a fairy tale, it's a fiction, but this idea that he's now giving away all of his money, he's generous where he was once greedy, he's kind-hearted where he was cold-hearted. Right, he's post-Scrooge. Yeah, right. But then you look at his bank account and his, you know, his personal wealth has almost doubled during his tenure as a philanthropist. The guy today is worth $115 billion. You know, he's, he is a totem and an emblem of inequality. He's not, he's not a driver of social progress. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and amassing amounts of power, you know, throughout the world, um, like through the foundation is, is pretty dangerous. And it's also like you're saying undemocratic and it's also incredibly like paternalistic and hierarchical and top down. And it's just like, again, also like whatever Western white savior complex coming in. It's not as if folks don't have the tools. It's like, you could still just give the money zero strings attached. Um, and, or like, yeah, empower, help just give the money to the government <laughs> or lobby your own government to, to, or co corporations to stop, you know, impoverishing 
and uh, keeping other nations, you know, um, sort of at that bottom of the totem pole, blah, blah, blah. But I guess lastly, I want to ask about the um, you have chapters about women and family planning, I guess, throughout Africa and sort of the foundation, Gates Foundation's role in that. Why is that sort of insidious? Like, what is sort of the, 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 maybe the like scarier, darker side to offering contraception or family planning, things that like even George W. Bush was against, right? And that the right we know is virulently against. Yeah, this is a very difficult chapter to write um, because this whole book, I'm dealing with issues like contraceptives and vaccines. Obviously, I think these are important, essential. And so you have to get very nuanced in describing what the problem is. So the Gates Foundations or the ideals of the movement of family planning are really about empowering women to make, to make choices for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just helping poor women have smaller families. That, mm -hmm. that, if that is the kernel of your approach to family planning, that really harkens back to the dark history of population control and eugenics, where it was about you know, helping or compelling poor women to have smaller, uh, smaller families. Right. So the Gates Foundation operates in one direction. If, if you know, poor women have terrible problems with infertility, I mean, the infertility is a problem in poor nations like it is everywhere else. Right. The Gates Foundation could be putting money into that. It's not. Instead, it's, it's very narrowly looking at helping poor women have smaller families and even more narrow than that through specific kinds of contraceptives that it endorses, that it helps subsidize working with the pharmaceutical companies. Right. So... <laughs> So, so we have to make Yaz rich uh, in, you know, the Congo. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's not to say that women have not benefited. Women and other users have not benefited from the contraceptives the Gates Foundation has made available at times. Of course they have. But, you know, this idea of family planning, the really the ideals of it, it's not a privilege to have mm. access to contraceptive that is organized and curtailed by a billionaire in Seattle, we need to be thinking about this more as a human right. And you know, yeah. what happens when Bill Gates dies? What happens when Bill Gates changes his mind? When Melinda French Gates leaves the Gates Foundation? You know, you don't want the priorities or you don't want access to contraceptives to be subject to these kinds of these vicissitudes. Of course, of course. And also, I think that generally, as we talk about reproductive rights and reproductive justice, it's like I think about Liz Winstead, who's been on the show multiple times, who talks about like supporting all pregnancy outcomes is really about what like reproductive liberation is and and what choice actually is, is, yes, if you want to have multiple kids or uh, like that, they will live um prosperous lives. They will have health care that they will be taken care of, that they will have, you know, um some semblance of dignity and not just, you know, yeah, here's some Yaz or whatnot. I don't know why I'm focused on Yaz, uh, but I think it'd be very funny if, if Bill Gates is pushing it. Um, finally, you're you're going to have to do the media rounds with your book, um, which is great. But it's also you have to break into through this, again, liberal veneer that Bill Gates is a savior, that he's doing good. Why are you coming after him? At least he's not Elon Musk. You know, at least he's not Bezos. Um, how, what is like the media landscape look like for, you know, like sort of, you know, cracking, like busting the myth about Bill Gates and, and how has he kind of like played the media um, to make himself look very good? Well, this is a dark story because the Gates Foundation is donating hundreds of millions of dollars to the news media. So just donating, yeah. just like, here you go. Yeah. Well, it's not only that, but there's strings attached. It's like, we want you to use this money 
to report on topics that the Gates Foundation also works on. So suddenly journalists are writing stories about topics Gates works on, talking to sources funded by Gates. It's this level of epistemic control, its ability to shape or own its own narrative. Um, so it is difficult. Um, the reception of the book so far has been good. Um, that doesn't mean that large swaths of the news media have perverse incentives to challenge the book, criticize the book. It doesn't, sure. yeah. There's a lot of news outlets that aren't, you know, as a journalist, you know, the target of your investigation can't also be your funder. And of course. <laughs> yeah, too often that's the case with the Gates Foundation. You know, one thing I say in the book is that news outlets should stop taking funding from the Gates Foundation because it's, yeah. it's, it's, there's too uh, many examples where it's introducing bias, where it's hurting the integrity and the independence of the news media. Well, PBS takes it from both Coke and Gates, I feel like. So, um, yeah, you know, they balance out because <laughs> those are the only two perspectives, right? No, exactly. I mean, I look, I, that's why I've always said we need to run a third, a third party billionaire. Um, that's a good in idea. The media and, um, uh, just, we need, so, I mean, that's my theory of social change is really first become billionaire, then donate to your causes, then revolution over like that's, you know, I don't know if you listen to the show, but that's mostly what I advocate for is just getting really rich. Right, well, um, let's, let's make a pact. Whoever becomes a billionaire first will support the other. All right. You can't leave. Okay. Um, I, why is he buying all the farmland? It spooks me. What's he doing there? I think there's a point where you have so much money. I mean, you just got to acquire things. Um, I mean, I do think he probably, yeah, I don't know if he's hedging his bets. What, what's your theory? I don't know. I mean, oh, you don't even have a theory. You're just like, sorry, Dina, what's your theory? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I always go to conspiracy zone. Maybe there's going to be a food supply crisis and he wants to be the one to have the monopoly on it. Well, I mean, I do think he is like financially planning. He is organizing his his finances in a, in a careful and safe and cautious way and probably is positioned to profit in certain ways if things go one way or the other. But I would take a less conspiratorial, more innocent view. It's just that, you know, he's no, so, okay. <laughs> Pass. Um, yeah, I mean, I think another like obviously we've seen I did this where uh, I did I did this story about billionaires building like bunkers in grain silos. So there's always that. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, and this is the thing. It's like maybe there will be micro grants to farmers to like go back, you know, keep on working it. But like should again, that should be an effort that comes from the government. It shouldn't be an effort that comes from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, but so but again, the hubris, like you're saying, Tim, and the sort of like ego, ego maniacal, like pet projects that these billionaires have and can play around with make it so it's not that they're like, oh, I'll jumpstart the program and then I will, you know, hand it off to the U.S. government. I will hand it off to local government in whatever Iowa or wherever the hell like, no, it's it's about him. It's about self-aggrandizement and and, you know, and again, a tax write off as well. Um, but anywho, good question, Dean. Anything else, Dina, before we move on? Just one quick last thing. Um, do you yeah. think it's harder for like the Epsteins and the Maxwells of the world to blackmail a guy like him because he doesn't seem particularly sexual? You know, is it like, <laughs> is it like instead of like getting like, <laughs> like instead of offering him young girls, it's like a room full of cats that he can strangle? Is that that seems like more his vibe? 
Well, you haven't been following the news cycle, Dean. He's actually gotten in quite a bit of, uh, there's quite a few allegations surrounding his philandering, alleged philandering, which he, um, you know, inappropriate relationship towards subordinates, female subordinates at Microsoft and the Gates Foundation, which Gates denies. Um, yeah, he, he reached the absolute zenith of his career when he was the, the COVID pandemic sort of czar. And then he got divorced from Melinda, all these allegations mm-hmm. of misconduct, which Gates denies. Weird relationship, hard to explain relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, okay, yeah, let's just be real. The Was it on PBS, I think, actually, interestingly, where he mm-hmm. had that really ominous answer where he was like, um, well, you know, uh, you know a lot of powerful people. You might just have to be careful. I don't know why he, like, had it clasp his hands <laughs> like this. And he said, like, you might – what's the quote where he goes – Tim, remember it for me. He's like, you know, you just want to be careful. And this is after Epstein – in air quotes, dies. Yeah, he said. He said. Something like, he said. Well, look at Epstein. He's dead. He said something kind of he, very yeah, cryptic like that. Now. And his well, eyes are like clearly <laughs> darting to his handlers, who were like, "No." <laughs> um, Just yeah, no. He did not have a good answer to that. That was so ominous and scary. I mean, the problem but, with uh, that interview is, like you said, is the Gates Foundation funds PBS, so they did ask the question. Right. He probably knew the question was coming. But what you need to do if you're really being a hard journalist is you follow up. He didn't answer the question. You ask it again. You ask it again right. until he answers the question. Right. It, well, he's dead now. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? By- <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you, Dina. For Those are very important questions. I do <laughs> believe there is still a room full of cats or like weird geckos that he can like lick. Um and like touch. Uh, but Tim, thank you so much again thank for your you. time. I'm actually going to leave here. now. <laughs> yeah, you can leave. I can, um, I can take you out. Um, Dina, I, you're so, um, respectful and, uh, like, but I was like, you could ju- jump in anyway. No, that's not, no, it's my fault. I, I never know when to, it's like double dutch. I never know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever successfully jumped into a double dutch, like, um, <laughs> you know uh what are those called hula hoops you know jump they're they're hula hoop they're jump ropes it's fine um we have another story for you a couple more stories actually including our final segment however big news big news senator joe manchin of west virginia not running for re-election this is important again he's been a pain in the ass to the democratic party and to anyone who i don't know likes good things progress at all um here he was the uh, late last week announcing his decision to not seek re-election take a look after months of deliberation and long conversation with my family i believe in my heart of hearts that i have accomplished what i set out to do for west virginia i have made one of the toughest decisions of my life and decided that i will not be running for re-election to the united states senate but what i will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. He wants to mobilize the middle. That's right. Um, that's what the DJ says on the dance floor. Everybody mobilize the middle. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but this is this is scary. Hold that thought. Let's just remember the kinds of things Joe Manchin has and has not done, mostly has not done, things that he's blocked. Um, Uh, from his perch as one of the very necessary votes in the Senate. Um, Things like voting against the minimum wage uh, raise, uh, voting 
against extending the child tax credit, voting against uh, codifying Roe v. Wade, um, and then, of course, making Joe Biden like bend over backwards or making him basically threatening Joe Biden to not pass any of his bills and uh, getting a lot of um, shine in the process. Some other things he um, is unmoved on the voting rights bill. Remember, he did not want the vo- to pass the voting rights bill that would uh, protect um basically restore the the voting rights act effectively um again voting against the minimum wage uh raise he however did get this is part of his leverage got the mountain valley pipeline into a debt bill of all things and you know effectively leverage the fact that he was one of he's the critical vote him and kirsten cinema and got um the mountain valley pipeline in west virginia approved jumping all legal hurdles um, a multi-billion dollar natural gas pipeline that's been stalled on environmental concerns. But Joe Biden decided to clear the way for him in exchange for that vote to basically raise the debt ceiling. Just endless, endless shit. However, going back to what he said in the end there, where she's going to travel the country and see if there's a, if we can build a movement, if there's interested interest in a movement, because maybe maybe Dina, maybe he's running for president, maybe um in fact, a lot of people are saying that with this res- resignation, he's opened the door to potential third-party presidential run, um, specifically with what is called the No Labels Party. Um, many people are saying it would be a foolish run. You've got opinion pieces. Should Joe Manchin run for president and all that? I wonder how poor, how like badly we need um, just someone who, you know, it's like, it's always... We just need like the NASCAR of presidential candidates, someone who can just wear all of their corporate logos on their body and like fully like I feel like someone who truly loves money. Like I think Biden doesn't like he's just so he's just too allergic to money. Like he's too like, oh, I like labor, you know, and like, oh, I went to the picket line of the UAW. You know, we need someone who actually wants to like um, beat a war- worker with like their very own tools like that. That's my kind of president. Mm-hmm. Why would he run third party? I guess I don't know enough. I know embarrassingly little about like the actual political system. Could he not run as a Dem? <laughs> well, that's the thing. He doesn't know if he's a Democrat. And he want first of all, West Virginia would be a, would have been a very steep reelection. West Virginians do not like him. And arguably, they're going to go and vote for a Republican. So the seat might be might have been lost anyway. Um, but. You're right. It might have made sense, I guess. But no fucking Democrat wants Joe Joe Manchin. We've all all the Democrats, including, you know, mainstream media outlets have been like Joe Manchin sucks. Joe Manchin has been the like single or second, you know, uh, barrier to any progress in this country uh, by voting no on all of these things, by basically tanking Joe Biden's um, Build Back Better platform. So I would say, no, he should run as a third party. If not, I mean. I don't, you know, a Republican, that that field is crowded as shit. Donald Trump's coming out on top. Um, But in a way, running third party allows him to get as much money as possible from, you know, the Joe Liebermans of the world, the like Howard Schultz's, the other sort of, you know, centrist mealy mouth. The guys were like, I like smoking weed, but, you know, we should lock up more black people. That kind of vibe, you know? Um. We should lock them up for smoking weed. Just don't lock me up, you know, feel me? Uh, So they would say feel me as well. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's, I do, I do not know what he's going to do. And um, I, 
I don't think he's going to go anywhere, no matter what, though. Like, I, I don't. If anything, it would be interesting. Be very. I would love to see Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Cornell West, and Joe Manchin on a stage together. Just a just a general debate. Then you get RFK Jr. Like, I think, I think I might jump off a bridge if I saw that. <laughs> no, no, no. Cornell would hold it down. Cornell would eviscerate all of them. Um, no problem. I would watch that. I mean, to be honest, I'm missing Trump on the debate stage. I mean, I'm a comedian before anything, unfortunately, and he's just the funniest person on the planet. So I, I, I look forward. He truly is. You know, even when he's just like parroting Nazi talking points, it's just, <laughs> he's still entertaining. Like, and this is, I'm like, dude, I get, I get why people voted for Mussolini. That dude must have been entertaining as fuck. Mm. Also really scary interesting, and awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he... I think Trump should be offered, like, I do feel like, you know, John Mulaney and Pete Davidson should just offer Trump like a, like a hot 15, you know, or 20 or like, you know, hour, whatever. Oh, he'll run the light. He can't be trusted to do his time. There's no way. It's true. He would definitely run the light. And he would, he would, Trump would totally steal jokes. Um, <laughs> but he, I, I do think that. If someone were just like, you could just be a performer, just do that. You've got like, you already have like a great base of jokes. Like we, we, we have all your hits, just play the hits. We build out your hour. You could get a special too. Totally. You could put clips online. It's basically the same thing. It's the Don't same thing. Don't you want this life? It's the um, same. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, so there you have it. Joe Manchin, good fucking riddance. He's likely going to be replaced. Um, by um probably by excuse me uh jim justice who's running um he's the west virginia governor right now who actually initially was a democrat and then became a republican um uh very famously uh in 2017 when he was then rallying for donald trump so again it's not clear whether or not he the, the senate is not looking good for 2024 um let's just let's just put it like that so um but we shall see. Uh, let us let's move on to our final segment. I am um, I'm trying to I'm trying to stay with it, guys. I'm I feel like I'm I feel like I'm off. I feel like, but you know what? Maybe I need a little bit of uh, a little pick me up, a, a drug, a particular drug. Uh, this week was a very interesting week because, um, in the fog of war, there have been a lot of BS articles floated about what Hamas is doing. Um, there's been embedded journalists, uh, CNN journalists, who were taken around by the IDF and shown random items in a children's hospital and going like, see, look, there's the terrorist there. There it is there. There's a terrorist footprint there. And the CNN journalist is just like, oh, wow. Oh, my God, that's crazy. That's scary. Even though there's literally no evidence anywhere. But this was fun. Breitbart put this out. says, Israel prepares for possible fentanyl attacks from Hamas Hezbollah. Wow. So uh, uh, apparently the fentanyl is being put in the rockets. This is how it's working. Um, and then they're shooting those rockets into Israel. Um, uh, because, again, if you guys didn't know, the, the tunnel. See, Hamas is basically um, Bugs Bunny. It's just a lot of Bugs Bunnies. And they build tunnels between, like, the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico all the way, you know, across Northern America and then across the Atlantic and then into wherever and then around the thing. And then they hit like they hit their head on a on like a shore on like Italy and then they go around. You know what I mean? 
uh, very Bugs Bunny-like. And then the, all the fentanyl goes under there. I'm, you guys, yeah, anyway, look it up. Uh, but so that's that's that was around the war. But then this Halloween also saw this was wonderful. I don't know how we missed this. Um, Senator Rick Scott, formerly of Florida, put out this video before Halloween about fentanyl, specifically rainbow fentanyl and how it could be in your kids' candy. Take a look. Rainbow fentanyl comes in a variety of bright colors, shapes and sizes, including pills, powder and blocks that resemble sidewalk chalk. According to the DEA, these pills are a deliberate effort by drug traffickers to drive addiction amongst kids and young adults. As you and your family trick or treat this Halloween, remember to not only let kids get candy from trusted neighbors, family and friends. Always double and triple check their candy for drugs or suspiciously packaged or unpackaged items. And remind kids to trick or treat in groups and to check in with parents periodically. By working together and being on high alert this Halloween, we can help put an end to the drug traffickers that are driving addiction and poisoning our neighbors and our children. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Can I just say what, like, kid giving book report who doesn't know how to speak good energy rick scott gives off like like he, he he's not enunciating like he kind of sounds like maybe he took a little bit of fentanyl like maybe that's how powerful fentanyl is like the green screen behind him with supposed images of fentanyl or like he's getting a contact high do you like are how familiar familiar god are you with rick scott because like the guy he has such like child who became senator energy uh, i never seen him before that was my first uh intro to rick scott yeah he seems like he's on heroin perhaps or, or something <laughs> which i like that's my vibe too i'm not judging him i also have a I have heroin chic um <laughs> has there has, sorry his yeah. eyes are way too buggy to be on heroin i don't <laughs> it's it's uppers but so so it it was not there's been no reports of halloween candy or, or excuse me, fentanyl and Halloween candy, specifically rainbow fent. But this was last year as well. This was just this year because, again, you got to bring it back. You got to fear monger once again. You know, pull a gun on your neighbors. What are you trying to give me kind of thing? I said I don't like Twizzlers. I want Rolos, you know. I was going to say, there has, has there been even one instance of this ever happening? Like, I keep seeing news about warning people about it, but never news of, like, this happened, right? No, exactly. It's mm -hmm. always... Look, the, the overdose, the overdose epidemic is real, but of course, Republicans have no, specifically Republicans have no plan to combat it. But I want to ask, where are they going to find fentanyl next? This is found where? Okay, fentanyl has also been found, interestingly, in a, a car's gas tank in the Bronx, um, and then and an envelope sent to election workers in Washington, which I'm like, well, that might have been a right winger who probably sent that because they don't like, you know, the counting of the ballots or they like to or they don't, depending on whether Trump is winning, they want to stop or start counting ballots. Um, here's my thing. I definitely think, look, we've been talking about Ron DeSantis's heels because, girl, they are fly. Have you, re oh, yeah. have you seen them? Yeah, they're good. The Republican debate happened. Yeah, they are. They're tall. <laughs> they are very tall. I love it. Also, like, if you're, I guess Florida's the South, but unless you're like a Texas politician, 
truly getting away with like those kinds of boots, it's just not, you can't do it. You can't do it. But I do think that inside of Ron DeSantis' heels, there's nothing but Fent. That, that is what there is. And, and I wish he would take a little bit more of it. Um, I, they, yeah, I don't know where, what, where do you think they're going to find Fent next or where, or the new like fear tactic of where they might. Um, I mean, Hamas rockets is so good because it like, doesn't really make, I mean, the point of the rocket is that's already dangerous, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think uh, this is not your question, but um, I think the, the Israeli creative team is really doing some great work. It seems like the most fun job in the world right now is just to write like scary things about Hamas. Like, oh, this uh, completely pristine copy of Mein Kampf has been found. Like, I just want to, I, I want to send them my resume. It just seems like someone, they're just, you can feel the joy in them writing the propaganda and I'm just jealous. I think maybe um, that's a better prompt, but that's exactly what um, a day ago, apparently this again, Isaac Herzog, the president of Israel, um, just just like in front of whipped out a, a copy of Mein Kampf and said that this was found in Gaza um, at, in like, you know, a children's room at a civilian house in Gaza. Like. Maybe that's where next, actually, it'll be fentanyl inside of a copy of Mein Kampf in, um, in the, in the home. Absolutely. The I mean, truly like the incubators in the Al-Shifa hospital, there was just nothing but fentanyl. Anything they can do to like fear monger, like let's add to it. And the, my other favorite thing that the Israeli propagandists are doing is trying to like just like at Taylor Swift, they are in her fucking DMs. They're like Taylor, Taylor, hey, sup, girl, Taylor, Taylor, hey, remember how you're not anti-Semitic? Are you anti-Semitic, Taylor? Hey, 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 like they want her on their side so bad, um, and it's not working. Um, but yeah, I am. I think the fentanyl thing is so amazing because it also exposes the fact that Republicans' only solution to the crisis – Democrats, let's put them aside. They have literally no solution because they're not going to, like, actually, you know, um, legalize and quality control substances so people aren't fucking accidentally overdosing on things that have fentanyl in them. It's not an It's not a unserious crisis. It is real. But nobody's serious about doing anything about it. Um, Republicans just want to send all of the money that we currently send to Ukraine to the U.S.-Mexico border. They're like, no, no, no. It's actually like women are stuffing their babies with fentanyl. So we need to send more military units to the border to do what? Like, it, it, it's just so wild, like, in the U.S., how how jealous the right is of Israeli propaganda also when it comes to like the human shield line because that's all they want to say about migrants coming across the border that like all these babies are effectively human shields for terrorists but they, they're not quite there like they haven't quite found the mind comp on the border yet they haven't quite found the smoking gun that allows them to sort of say that the terrorists are all women and children seeking a better life and escaping drug cartel violence um anywho it's stupid. It's ridiculous. That's why it's our stupid, funny, fun, stupid, funny, fun segment. And I'm usually much more cogent and coherent. Dina, I'm losing my goddamn mind. Thank it's, you yeah. so much for being on this show. 
Of course. Thank you. I was just going to add that it's like how E. coli is a little bit everywhere. You know, it's fine. Like there's, it's fine if there's a little bit of fentanyl everywhere. There's it's... a little bit of fent everywhere. Um, Dina, how can people watch your new special that you have out? It's on, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Dark Little Whispers. If you don't have Prime, you can get a free trial and watch it. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, please follow me at Dina Hashem underscore. Dina Hashem, under, Dina Hashem underscore at the end? Yeah. Hell yeah. D-I-N-A-H-A-S-H-E-M. Got it. Hell yeah. Everybody, Dina Hashem, uh, thank you so much for being here. Everybody watch her special. Um, and take very good care and come back real soon. And thank you all for being here. God, what a ride. Uh, I, um, I think I, you know, I think rightfully. You wake up every day and you're like, you check all the fresh horrors and then you sort of get completely absorbed in them and distracted and upset. And then you're like, how do we keep on living? And then you're like, oh no, I have a podcast. And then you do, then then you're just me and that is my life. Uh, oh no, baby woke up really early. That is my life. Um, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, e said, heck yeah, Dina Hashem is a good guest. Indeed, she is. Um, Yilva, thank you so much for your super chat. I'm bitching about the fact that the Norwegian parliament didn't agree to acknowledge Palestine as a sovereign country. Free Palestine, ceasefire now. That's a good thing to bitch about. That's, I mean, exactly. This is like, how can they have civil rights? How can, if they don't have a civil society because they don't have a country? Haha, ha, see what we did? Um, Camperman5000, thank you so much for being a member. Says, shit, I followed Dina for over a year and almost never see her tweets. She? So she's being banned. Squishmallow Dragon, finally catch you live. Thank you so much for being here over on Twitch. And the OG Mountain Dragon, my microchip is burning my arm. I've got the latest booster and a new chip can hear what I'm listening to. And it does not like this conversation. Um, I got the new, I, it's not a booster. I got the new shot shot. Girl, let me tell you what it does to periods. It's real. It's real. Um, Let's see. Uh, Hef, thank you so much uh, for your super chat. Said, I prefer Franti Frantinol. Wow. That is the name of the show. By the way, watch Bernie break up the fight in the Senate. It's hilarious. Uh-oh. Did he physically get involved? Oh, okay. 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 Um, Willie Gus says, it was the DEA intern in the IDF. Um, yeah, probably, uh, in terms of all the fentanyl, um, DC, DC Trevitt, thank you so much for your super chat. Uh, really appreciate you. Herzog and Rubinsky member on YouTube. They'll claim it's fentanyl and Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, anything They're like his dick is made of nothing but fent. He comes fent and he kills like a bunch of civilians. You know what it is? It's 12,000 Gazans didn't die. Hamas has fentanyl and it acts the fentanyl accidentally went off in a hospital and all of the children died open and shut fucking case um yeah absolutely ridiculous um and may i take this moment to remind you that i had such a great conversation on friday with max elbaum and before that we had an awesome conversation you might have seen it on the feed um for our patrons um with 
um, Jacob Silverman. Thank you so much, Francesca. Thank you so much, Brain. Um, so that is that was a great conversation. We talked about crypto, um, crypto lobbying, crypto super PACs, and the fact that just because Sam Bankman Fried is going to go away to prison for many, many years, TBD, doesn't mean that the crypto lobby is gone. Um, so get access to that, patreon.com slash situation room. Um, thank you to everyone who has joined. And let's go, baby. Let's do it. Time to thank everybody. $10 or more gets you this shout out, as well as, you know, if you're a subscriber on Twitch, remember and whatnot. This is the fart song. Morning Tree for subscribing it for 23 months. Uh, tier one, thank you. Thank you, Late Bloomer 66, for gifting a tier one sub. Thanks to Flash Gordon 8 also for subscribing with Prime and Chicken Fried Dragon for giving five community subs. Love you. Um, we have a lot of new patrons at $10 or at, uh, at, at $5 or more. My brain. But no new, no new ones at $10. That's okay. If you want to tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Thank you to everyone who works on the show. Paige Omek, Maximilian Inhoff, Andy Vasoyan, our editor. You guys are wonderful. And uh, we stream every Tuesday and Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, YouTube and Twitch. Follow the show on all the socials, Bituation Pod on Twitter, uh, on TikTok and Instagram at Bituation Room. Um, and you can follow me at Franny Fio. We're going to have some great upcoming shows. Again, Friday, I will be uh, doing the bonus bish at the regular time. I promise I won't switch it up. And also I've got announcements for the beginning of the year, January, look out an exciting live event. Stay tuned. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, free Palestine, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Later. Mm -hmm.